Thanks for downloading this episode of Cork Talk with me, Tim Atkin. A weekly conversation with some of the most famous people in the world of wine. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Nomacork by Vinventions. Driven by a commitment to innovation, the new plant-based Nomacork Green Line offers significant improvements in wine closure performance. Thanks to a rigorous oxygen ingress rate, you can decide which cork is best for your wine, whether it's for young and fresh wines or for those with ageing potential. Known as El Colorado because of his red hair, Alejandro Sekanovich is one of the key figures in the modern Argentinian wine industry, a man who combines expertise in the vineyard with a magician's touch in the winery. On World Malbec Day, we spoke about high-altitude vineyards, wine styles, minerality, his time at the prestigious École Nationale Supérieure in Montpellier, and why a visit to a morgue put him off medicine for good. Hello, Colo. How are you? How are you, Tim? Here I am. <laughs> Where are you? I am in Chile on holiday. In Chile on holiday? Yeah, yeah. And today is World Malbec Day. So you're in World Malbec. On World Malbec Day, you're in Chile. Yes. Why not? I mean... <laughs> I just uh, we just finished uh, receiving the fruit of the harvest and it's a good moment to take a, a little very short holiday with my kids. And you want to get to the coast, right? Yes. To the to the Pacific coast. Pacific coast, some ocean, uh, fish, and um, seafood. <laughs> Sounds ab- absolutely fantastic. So the harvest is finished, obviously. Good vintage this year. Was an amazing vintage, very different. Uh, always it's a different vintage, but in this case it was a lower vintage, uh, very concentrate in terms of uh, time of harvest. Harvest time was very short. So we received all the fruit almost together. So everything was ready. There was a moment that everything was ready. Cabernet Malbec, Cabernet Franc. So there was a, a challenge in logistics. Quite stressful. Well... It's harvest time. I like the stress of harvest. <laughs> oh, you like the stress of harvest time? Of course. You're a crazy person, you. Yeah. So, I want to talk a little bit about, about you because you were brought, brought up and you were born in Mendoza, um, although, you know, your family background, obviously, Sekanovic, um, is not, is not, a, is not a, a Spanish name or Italian name. Just tell us a little bit about your ancestors and where they, where they came from. Well, they, are, they were come from um, Eastern European countries like uh, Poland, Russia, uh, Lithuania, and, and well, mostly of uh, the the immigrants, they went to a province in Argentina, to the northeast, to Entre Rios, where my father was born. Um, well, finally, then my bra- my father decided to work in Mendoza, and I was born in Mendoza, so surrounded by vineyards. And your but your father was a doctor, not a winemaker, right? Yes, he was a medical doctor, neurosurgery. Yeah. A neurosurgeon. Yeah. I mean, I read at one point that you were thinking of becoming a doctor and then you were taken when you were at school to a morgue and you thought, no, I don't want to be a doctor. Is that true? That's totally true. I visit uh, in two days. We One day we visit uh, uh, medicine where we went to the morgue because they don't wanted people to go to study medicine because there was there is always a lot of people that want to study for medical doctor. And the other day we went to the agronomist university uh, where we visit the winery. So imagine tasting wines <laughs> against smelling dead bodies. Dead bodies. What's so taking see? people to the morgue 
was a way of people of saying to people, don't become a doctor, right? We don't need too many medical students. Yes, yes. I mean, I didn't feel well. I, I smell this aromatic. So, I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if everybody knows you as El Colo, and that you're, yes. you're called El Colo because you've got red hair. Yes. Um, did the red hair come from your mother's side or your father's side? You know that in genetics, they come from both. Uh, my ah. mother had more red hair. Uh, my father, no, he he had uh, black hair, but uh, uh, you know, it's all these genetics from Eastern European countries that uh, make me red hair. I have in my family, my sister, my older sister, she had red hair. And I am the last one, I have red hair. The other two, they don't. And do your children have red hair? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, for that you, I need to have a red hair wife, and I don't have. <laughs> you don't have a red hair wife, so it's got to come from both sides and combine, yes. right? Yes, yeah, I see. I understand. So you know, you, you you studied agronomy, not winemaking, initially at the Universidad Nacional de Cuyo in in Mendoza. W was your focus on 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 the land very much? I mean, on vineyards to start with, more than in knowledge. I think it was, wasn't it? Yes, um, I mean, I studied um, the university, it has a specialization of all the um, agriculture that is made in Mendoza. Mm -hmm. So you have a specialization in viticulture, also in fruits, also in, in, in horticulture. But also we have winemaking in the university. Mm -hmm. But it's just a, 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 this is short, it's two years of winemaking is not enough. Um, no. And this is why I decided then to do a specialization in viticulture and winemaking that I went to uh, Montpellier in France to study. I mean, do, do you think the fact that you started as as, a, as an agronomist really gives you a different perspective as a winemaker that you that you know a lot about vineyards? Yes, of course, because um, the thing is, um, if you know the vineyard, uh, you know what. A particular vineyard have uh, like something that you you want to express, yeah. And the the thing is that uh, mostly of uh, winemakers they sometimes they don't go to the vineyard. So now it's changing a lot. Young winemakers they they are winemakers that know about viticulture, and this mm. is a big change. But in the past when I studied, uh, the winemakers they didn't know much about the vineyards. And the viticulturalists, they didn't know much about winemaking. So it was very separate. Yeah, it's, it's good to, yeah. to have these things together. And this yeah. is a way to understand all the process and to arrive to express a place. I mean, I remember when I first went to Argentina in 1992, 30 years ago, the winemakers often wore white coats. Yes. They looked like chemists. That's it. Right? That's it. The winemakers, <laughs> they wore in the lab, an office in the lab. With their yeah. white coats, and even they receive samples from the winery and samples from the vineyard, and there was more a decision of desk in a desk. Yeah, and they taste, they see the analysis. Uh, now this is a totally different profession, especially for high quality wines. Yeah, that most of the, of, the, of your peers, as we say, people at your level in Argentina and other places too. Um, you know, they're in the vineyards as much as they're in the winery, really, aren't they? Isn't that true? Yeah, it's true because um, the presence of uh, of wines in Argentina is related 
and the, the present and the, the beginning of the future of Argentina is the expression of wines from places. Mm. This is what is uh, being to develop not many years ago. And, and yes, it's something that is showing uh, that we have an amazing diversity. And the only mm. way to show the diversity is to understand, to learn, to study, to study the areas and to study how to vinify each vineyard and how we can, you can express a vineyard to make all the wines different. Because this is the thing interesting, is when same variety or not uh, have an expression of a place which is different from this vineyard to the neighbor vineyard. Yeah, uh, this is uh, you know this took uh, five hundred years to Burgundy <laughs> to work it out. So oh. we have uh, still a lot yeah. of work to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you mentioned studying, and, and and you've already talked about this a little bit. But you went to France <laughs> yeah. and you did a master's degree at the very prestigious Ecole Nationale Supérieure uh, in, Agronomique in, in de Montpellier. Montpellier. Yeah, there we go. What made you decide to go there? Because I mean, that's not what most Argentinian winemakers do, go and study in France, is it? Well, basically, first there is a question related to my father, that um, my father, like a medical doctor, many years ago, he decided to do his specialization in the uh, United States and Japan. And, and he teach me also that you have to go outside studied more, and this will open your mind. And mm. this is one of the, the things that I decided I have to go out, uh, work and study somewhere else with different culture. Mm. And, and well, one of the possibilities was to go to the school of Montpellier because I mm. knew that Roberto de la Mota went. So I talked with him. He was working in Weiner. He contacted me by fax with Denise Bubal. Dr. Denis Bouvals, which was the chief viticulturalist in the school, and uh, they accepted it. So I, I went uh, immediately to, to study in Montpellier, which is an amazing school. And you had to learn French, presumably, because the, the, French, All in French. the French don't teach in English, let alone Spanish, no, right? No, they teach in, in French. Uh, yeah. It was very interesting. It was very interesting because uh, uh, also these schools uh, are not... Um, uh, all the people that goes to the schools are coming from all France and also yeah. other people from other parts of the world. Uh, I have partners from Australia, uh, mm. even one from Japan. So it was uh, very interesting, uh, the study there. And it opened your mind in a way. It's opened the mind, yes. Mm. Yes, it's uh, another culture. Even yeah. that uh, we have in Argentina a very European kind of culture. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's a different way to think. And this uh, helps a lot to understand uh, the life. And, and when you went back to Argentina, you got a job with the Catena Group. Uh, Nicolas Catena, um, brilliant man, has, has, has a habit of employing very intelligent people who go on to do great things. I mean, the Catena graduates are, are you know, would, would make a make a, a, an amazing article. I think what they've achieved. What did you do exactly at Catena for eighteen years? Were you just in the vineyard, or were you doing wine as well? No, I was doing both. I I was contract first to join the viticulture with the winemaking. Mm. And once that I began working, I realized that uh, we need to do research in the company. And and well, Nicolas loved research. So mm. when I when we begin talking about doing micro vinification, he agreed immediately. He gave me all the winery, what I need, everything I need to do 
research, uh, it was an open company for that. Everything was for that. So we needed to understand the Malbec. We needed to understand the different vineyards. We needed to understand which were the best areas to plant Malbec. That was also a moment where uh, all the actual high-quality vineyards like uh, Waltajari, uh, high areas of Altamira, uh, El Cepillo, this, all these areas were not planted and they are planted mm. now. Many hectares, high-quality vineyards are planted now that were planted in the, the end of the 90s and beginning of the 2000s. And that was because of drip irrigation, wasn't it? It was because of drip irrigation and, of course, because of they believe that there, there, is, there was more quality. And mm. they believe uh, in the case of uh, Catena was related to a research that we did in these areas. And you were involved with planting the Adriana vineyard, the famous Adriana vineyard, which is, was then, I think, the highest vineyard in Mendoza at 1,500 meters. And now you're involved with an even higher vineyard in Espayeta, aren't you? Which is probably now the highest vineyard in Mendoza. Yes, yes. And also, and also my partner, you know, Jeff have a new vineyard in La Carrera at mm. over 2,000 meters. We will see ah. if we arrive to maturity <laughs> to, to get fruit. I think yeah. we will. Maybe not yeah. every year, but we will. Um, but yes, it's very interesting um, what happened in high elevation. Anyhow, yeah. I don't think if you go one meter more, it will be, it means that you have one meter quality more, mm. you know? Mm. I think it's important to understand each place where you are doing the, the wines. And um, also we, we have very, also it's very important the traditional areas of viticulture in Argentina. We have amazing qualities in areas like Las Compuertas, for example, mm. which is a yeah. very traditional area. It's very Mendoza. close to the city of Mendoza, the closest close. really, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I think uh, it's interesting high elevation because it's something new, it's something very different, but also mm. the the volume of high quality Malbecs we have in the first growing area or in the valley of the Uco Valley is extremely good. And I mean, after 18 years in 2010 with Katena, you, you left to set up your own business with Jeff Mousebach, as you, as you mentioned, who's another Katena graduate. Um, what was the initial plan? Because you had one brand to start with, which was Manos Negras, and then it was Tinto Negro, and now you've got how many brands? Six, seven, eight, and 60 <laughs> yes. wines, is it? Or more than 60 wines? At least count. Yeah, we have a lot of wines, and the brands are Manos Negras, Tinto Negro, Estancia Los Cardones, eh, Bodega Tejo, which is Sajan Tejo, and then uh, small projects like uh, Estancios Payata. Now we have Almacén de la Quebrada, which is High Valleys from Salta. I'm from Jujuy, Cielo Arriba. And Buscada Vivo Muerto. And Buscada Vivo Muerto. I also forget. So you Thank forgot you one. Much. Yes. <laughs> so we have many projects. There's so many which, you forget too. It's, yeah. You know, the thing is that uh, each time that uh, we found a place or a vineyard that is giving something special, uh, we want to put in a portfolio. Now mm. I think it's a little complete, but... Always You're like a child. You, you, want, you want to make everything, right? Yes. <laughs> Which is, I mean, I don't want to do everything, but what I do, I, I found, if we found a place or a wine that is different and shows different and is interesting to drink, hmm. and we have to show it because this is what is interesting in the wine when you have diversity. Yeah, because you're making wine from Jujuy, which is in the far north of Argentina, close to Bolivia, 
right down to Patagonia. So, I mean, yes. how many different vineyards are you working with? I think we are working with uh, about 30 vineyards, 30 different vineyards. Um, but uh, which is interesting is that each vineyard is a different challenge. And you have different quality and you have to understand each vineyard in a different way. And this, um, this um, kept me alive. <laughs> but you must drive a long way. I mean, you don't drive all the way to Jujuy. Do you must fly? I do both. Uh, now, from July, we will have a direct flight to Jujuy. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> Mendoza, Mendoza, Jujuy. Mendoza, right? Jujuy, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll make life a bit easier. Yeah. I mean, you and Jeff are a very good team, aren't you? I mean, you're good friends, yeah. which is not always easy when you work together. Well, what makes you so complimentary, do you think, as a, as a pair? Well, for me, it's very important that. Um, a wine had to be consumed. Hmm. I mean, the wine is made to be consumed. And to be consumed, have to be in the market. Hmm. And um, uh, Jeff understands extremely well how to communicate the wine, how to sell wine. And hmm. if you don't have the, both things, the wine will not arrive to the consumer. So yeah. uh, we, we have a very good partnership because uh, Jeff understands very well winemaking. I understand also uh, well the market, but basically we do both works, and this uh, allows us to do all the wines we have we have done. If if the wine is not in the market, you cannot continue doing wines. You can't sell it. And do you ever disagree, the two of you? Sometimes, but with uh, with labels, not disagree, but we discuss about uh, you know the labels, for example. Yeah, and who wins? No, don't matter. There is not the question of who wins. Both we have to win. So <laughs> it's a question about uh, it's a discussion about well, I don't like this, I like that, and yeah. try to find the place where a, a label is attractive mm -hmm. for everybody, which is something difficult. It's interesting that you're talking about this diversity and communicating diversity of Argentina, which. Is something you do very well, I think, and all your wines are, are are very different and express a place. But do you think consumers understand that? Do they understand how diverse Argentina is? Well, I think I think there is a different kind of consumers. There are some consumers which are interesting in know in understand that, and there are consumers mm. that they just want to drink wine. Mm. So uh, the people who want to understand, they studied, and now with the communication. With your work, for example, mm. it's, uh, it's easy to arrive to the communication and understanding of a place. Even that it's not easy to understand because we don't understand the places. Imagine the consumer. <laughs> so, uh, but also we have to think that there is a, a big quantity of people that they only want to drink wine, which are good quality. So for mm. me, this is very important also. It's not just to do wine from a place, but the wine have not only to express a, a place, but have to have a quality, a drinkability. Uh, mm. For me, it's important that the consumer drink the wine and is happy and he wants to go to other glass and want to yeah. continue consuming wine. Yeah. I, I think there's a French word for it, it's digest, isn't it? This idea that you you almost you want to drink the wine with food, but also this, this sense of of another glass, you know, yes. it's not filling you up, is it? It's it's, it's something you can digest. You know? Yes, yeah, I agree totally of that. Um, I think all the wines that they match well with food, 
are are the best wines. Even yeah, because you, you often say you you make gastronomic wines, don't you? In the sense that you, they're wines that pe- you want people to, to to drink with food. I think that the wines that you can drink with food, you can drink alone also. Um, yes, they are balanced. They have good acidity, um, mm. and, and that I mean, Jeff and myself, we like to drink wine. We are consumers. Uh, mm. We don't want to drink a glass of wine. We want you to drink two mm. if you we don't drink. Yeah, and I, I, and I like drinking with you as well. You're always good fun to drink so, with you too. So for me, it's important that in terms of the way we make the wines, yeah. the, make, the way we make the wines, we make wines that invite, invite you to go to the other glass. They have a second glass, yeah. Yes. I mean, let's talk a little bit about vineyards because you know, you're very rooted in, in, in the vineyards in many ways. Just tell us a little bit about how you get the best out of a vineyard in Argentina. What, what, what are the key things for you? Then also with the location, you have a, a, a soil, a kind of soil, which can be a, a mix of soils. Uh, and the soil, it will influence in fertility, in temperatures of soil, and in the amount of water that can achieve the soil. And then you need to have the enough water, irrigation. Irrigation in Argentina is part of our terroir. I mean, in uh, in Europe, it's not allowed to irrigate because mm. the terroir has to be with the yeah. rain. It's rain, yeah. but in yeah. Argentina, the terroir is given if you irrigate. If you don't irrigate, the plant will die. So there's no terroir if you don't irrigate. I mean, there are, there are a few vineyards in Argentina that are dry farmed, aren't there, maybe? Yes, there are some. Uh, there are a few vineyards <laughs> in Chubut and in the coast, yeah. coastal yeah. Uh, Argentina, but most of the vineyards, they are uh, close to the Andes, which is a desert. Yeah. So we need to yeah. irrigate. So for me, that's very important. What about pruning? You, I know pruning is very important to you. For me, the pruning is extremely important. It's uh, the way to decide the harvest, the, the yield. The yield is given by pruning. When you prune, you decide how much fruit you will have. You will have a mistake of 10%. But um, I like to prune, and I don't like to do any kind of, uh, of uh, work like uh, taking out fruit. I mean, some people prune long with a lot of fruit, and then they go and make a thinning. For mm-hmm. me, this is this is not good because this uh, unbalanced the vineyard in terms of uh, acidity. Mm-hmm. So for me, you have to decide the, the harvest, the, the yield, you have to decide with the pruning, the amount of mm-hmm. nuts you need. So this is the first work. I mean, there was a tendency really, in, in particularly in the 90s and the beginning of the 2000s really, to, to, to the, the low yields were best, right? So then, as, as you said, the more fruit you dropped, the more concentrated your wine. Is that something? Is that something you agree with? No, I don't agree of the way of wines I want to do. Uh, I think that what happened in Argentina is a question of also about of change of um, wines of Argentina. Before the 90s, the wines of Argentina were done in a different way. They were vinified and oxidized in big foodors, they maybe full of bread also. This big yeah. food. So and the guy in the white coat. The, the best wines, they were brown. They were with a very mm. 
a color totally different than now. Then uh, people begin doing wines that we can call international. They wanted to show that we could do a wine like in Australia or a New World. And there was important that, you know, alcohol, color, concentration, oak, this, that was the New World wine. Mm. And, and then happened what had to happen. We have an amazing diversity of soils, of, of sites. And the way to express a wine, a site of a wine, is uh, getting a balance in the vineyard. So, and keeping the flavors coming from photosynthesis and not coming from forcing the vineyard with stress, mm. with taking out fruit, with a lot of different kind of, um, of works that you can do to increase concentration or increase maturity to have more. Uh, for me, more quality of wines is when you have more balance. When you have yeah. good acidity, when you have a decent flavor, you don't need to make wines that are extremely powerful. Because mm. for me, it's difficult to drink. If mm. you want to go to the second glass, you have to have wines that they have balance. Mm. T tell me a little bit about the term minerality, because we, 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 we're not professional agronomists the way you are, but you know, wine writers and, and consumers even often talk about minerality, so do marketing people. Do you, is the term, does the term mean anything to you? Do you think it's valid as a term? It is valid because you have aromatics. It is valid also to say that you have flowers in a wine. Mm. When you make a wine, uh, there is an expression of the place. This place gives aromatics that can be in fruits, in flowers, but also in minerals. For example, mm. the savory or the saltiness in a wine or the stony in a wine, it appears. So when it appears, uh, normally it's only from this place and it's extremely interesting. So mm. I like to find a way to manage the vineyard and to vinify to keep these aromatics, to don't lose, don't lose these aromatics. Yeah. And you can lose the aromatics if you overripe. You lose yeah. the aromatics if you overextract. You lose the aromatics if you cover all the flavors with oak. So we have to find the right way to express a place in a wine without losing this amazing quality, which is which have the wines and not other beverages, which is the expression of a place. But it doesn't. The wine doesn't taste of minerals, as it were, does it? Doesn't really taste of chalk. It is similar to chalk, but that means that yeah. the plant take the chalk and send to the fruit because the mm. chalk is not soluble. So it cannot happen, but there is an aromatic that uh, make you remember the chalk. And normally it happens when you have chalk in the soil. That's, that, that's interesting. But also, for example, yeah. if you take the example of Malbec, there is a lot of aromatics that are related to the sunlight. Argentina is a great producer of Malbec because have intense sunlight. But you will not find aromatics of lights. Because you, <laughs> there is no aromatic of light. But mostly of the aromatics are related to the light. The violets, for example, they are mm. produced if you have sunlight. Mm. Tell us a little bit about the way you, you make Malbec, because 
Argentinian Malbec or, or, or the, 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 I don't know, the school of Malbecs, if you like, or the range of Malbecs, is very different from French Malbec, isn't it? The, the, the French Malbecs you find in Cahors, which tend to have these slightly greener tannins. Well, first of all, there is a different weather, a different climate, a different soil, but also there is a different genetics. The Malbec we have in Argentina is a different genetics that is today in cars. Uh, the Malbec, the genetics of the Malbec of Argentina have smaller clusters, smaller berries, and for me have a, a much more um, precise aromatic, uh, less tannic. Mm -hmm. um, and also we have the, the climate conditions, which are very different, especially mm -hmm. the sunlight. Um, and this is a, a big uh, difference. So uh, Argentina, what it has is a special condition of sunlight, of dryness and soils that make the Malbec a great variety to grow in Argentina, not in other parts of the world. Mm. And the genetics we receive, unfortunately, were the best. Mm. And, and this is why the Malbec is a variety that in Argentina can express places. And that's yeah. the most interesting thing about Malbec, that the aromatics of Malbec, the flavors of Malbec from one vineyard to the other can be very different. Tell me a little bit about the way, the way you, you, you make Malbec, the way, particularly the way you ferment it. And how you extract color and tannins? Because it's interesting what, the way you do this. Well, what I found in Malbec after many years of research is that have amazing concentration of aromatics and tannins and color in the skins. I'm not sure about the quality of tannins in the seeds. So what I like to do is to work very hard in the beginning of fermentation and extract a lot from the beginning when you have uh, not alcohol from the skins. Mm. When you do punch down or um, you can do even a delestage in the beginning of fermentation, mm. you extract from the skins as much as possible. Once that you get some alcohol, you, got, you have to go very slowly. And once I finish fermentation, usually I don't extend maceration. I rack the wine from the skins. And there you have all the concentration of all the aromatics you have in the skins. Mm. When you taste because you don't want the seed, right? It, yeah, when you taste the fruit of Malbec, you taste the skins. You, it's delicious. It's amazing. So it's there where you have to extract. We don't need to extract tannins from the seeds because we have enough tannins in the skins and with much better quality. Do, do you think there's a place where where Malbec performs best in Argentina, or are there ten of them? I think that what is interesting is that Malbec is. Uh, a variety that express terroir. So what, what is interesting is to produce Malbec from all over Argentina. They are different. And we can show different areas or different vineyards and you will have different wines. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, when that, I always say that to people when people say to me, what's next after Malbec? I say more Malbecs, but different Malbecs. You know, Malbecs expressing 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 a place in in a, in a more faithful way. Really, I think what uh, what is growing a lot, or what happened is that uh, grows is uh, Malbecs from small areas where uh, or new areas because they are showing different. For example, yeah. Malbecs from Jujuy, the, it is a totally different kind of weather there. In Jujuy, you have um, it's a Winkler one, that means it's a very cold mm. area. So it's totally different than Salta, which is the neighbor. 
sometimes mm. much more warmer in the same elevation. Even though Jujuy is, is close to the Tropic of Capricorn, right? Yes, but it's extremely cold. This year was yeah. very particular, you know. This year in summertime, in January, we have a wave, a heat wave in all Argentina, except uh, Quebrada de Humahuaca. So in, in Jujuy. Yes. Yeah. So I was uh, in Mendoza with uh, more than 40 degrees. And in Tilcara, uh, there, uh, there was 25 degrees. Amazing. Wow. Um, yeah. And the weather is totally different. And this is yeah. interesting. That's make difference. So, I mean, Malbec is obviously the flagship grape of the country, but which other grape varieties do you think have the most potential in Argentina or already showing that potential? In reds, I think uh, Cabernet Franc shows amazingly well Argentina, especially in uh, or only in limestone areas. So the Cabernet Franc shows express extremely well places when you have limestone. Also, mm. you know, I like very much Pinot Noir for high elevation <laughs> vineyards. Difficult. But uh, little by little, I think uh, Argentina is increasing quality of Pinot Noir. And then for me, in whites, uh, Chardonnay is the queen. We have amazing uh, muscle selection of Chardonnays, but also the Semillon. For me, the other white variety in quality is Semillon. And of course, the Torrontes, which is a very special variety. But it's more difficult sometimes for the consumer. But for me, Semillon is express extremely well uh, Mendoza. Interesting. And how, how do you think the industry is going to develop over the next 20 years? Is it going to be focused on new areas, new varieties, more focus on parcels, a bit of everything? What's going to happen, do you think? I think that uh, the knowledge and the understanding is going to, it's going more and more to make different wines from different parcels, from different areas. Um, it's more a question about uh, the place than the varieties. So for me, the future is more, it can be a blend wine, a blended wine from a special place. I think uh, when you have a, a vineyard and you have more than one variety, you can do more than one wine. You can do a Malbec or you can do a blend. And there are, this is two ways to express the place. So. Mm -hmm wines it's very interesting <laughs> and they, they have uh, something similar but in the same time they are different and you can have a preference you can prefer one or the other or you maybe you like to drink both <laughs> i would and, and do you think we'll see lots of vineyards disappear particularly cheaper vineyards producing cheap grapes you know from things like the criolla varieties it it's um yeah, I think that there is a question of loss of some vineyards in the East region. But uh, we will see. I think it's a question of uh, there was a big development of high quality wines in Argentina. Uh, but uh, we need to recover the everyday drinking wine of Argentina. And it's happening slowly. I think we need a change of varieties there, a change of the way of managing the vineyard, understanding the vineyard. But I wonder about, wonder about whether Grenache, I mean, you make a very good Grenache. Yeah. Would you like to see more Grenache planted? Yeah, hey, I would love to, to see more Grenache. And it's something that is happening because there is a change of culture also in Argentina. Now, if you go to Buenos Aires, uh, you will have a lot of new restaurants that um, 
they they don't sell meat in Argentina. Mm. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of vegan restaurants or vegetarian restaurants, and yeah. they for the, this kind of food is much better. The white wines, the Pinot Noir, the Grenache, the Criollas. The, these people that are selling wines there, they want this kind of wines. So there is a very interesting revolution about that. So there is a movement related to that. And, and all part of that diversity in a way. Yeah? Yes, yes. But also I believe a lot in varieties like Bonarda in this region that is massive product, productive. And they can, it can produce a very simple, fruity, easy to drink wines for every day. But I think Bonarda can make fine wines maybe or not. I mean... Your friend Alevi Hill makes some very good Bonardas from the Mold Yes, you can do amazing wines of Bonarda. But um, but it's a little more difficult to compete with a great Malbec or a great Cabernet. I think it probably is, yeah. Yes. This is another thing I'm dying to ask you. Is, Maybe it's a no, question you, of timing. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I want to ask you is, is, is you've obviously studied in France. Would you like to make wine anywhere else in the world, but maybe France? I mean, you're pretty focused on Argentina right now. I am focused in Argentina, but uh, maybe I will have the, the luck to make uh, wines uh, this win- this for our winter, this July, in uh, Lanzarote, in the Canary Island. Ah, fantastic. So to make some whites and some Listan Prieto. That so, will be... So Listan li, Prieto being the same great variety as Criolla Chica, right? Yeah. Yeah, same than Criosa Chica, but <laughs> it's totally different. You you have to imagine that uh, soils of Argentina is so different than than Lanzarote with these uh, vol- volcanic soils, influence of the ocean. I mean, for me, it's a challenge. It will be very fun to try to try to do something good there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're almost going back to your to to the roots of New World wines, really, with. You know, Criollo Chica, Listan Prieto being the first great variety that came with the Spaniards, really. Yes. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's like that. And, well, if I have the opportunity, I will do it. Hmm. It's, um, it's more something intellectual than other thing. Have you booked your ticket? I didn't. I am waiting the, <laughs> the, the answer or if <laughs> we can go and do it. But yes, you know, now you book a ticket very fast. Fantastic. So how exciting. So so we could be the first Lanzarote red and white from El Colo. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Well, okay. Where will we see those? Maybe next year. But yes, I love to do wines everywhere in the world. I would love, uh, you know, uh, I always remember the the Grenache Vineyard of Collure. Mm. You know Collure? I do. I love Collure. In, in, yes, in the Roussillon. Lovely area. So this this vineyards facing the Mediterranean. They're so beautiful, amazingly beautiful, all with schist uh, soils. I don't know. One day, yeah. if I can, I would love to make a Grenache there. Well, if anybody's listening from France with vineyards in Collioure, get in touch with Colo. <laughs> <laughs> Colo, it's been fantastic talking to you, especially because it's World Malbec Day. Thank you for interrupting a little bit of your holiday after the busy vintage to chat to us. Uh, as ever, a pleasure to talk to you and see you very soon, I hope. See you soon in Argentina. And thank you very much for all the strong work you, you make, you have done and you make always for Argentina. It's my enormous pleasure and I'll see you a, soon. A happy Malbec Day.
See you soon. <laughs> Bye. What an impressive man that Colo is. Next week on Cork Talk, my guest is Matteo Escheri from Barolo in Italy. See you then. Thanks for listening to Cork Talk. If you want to read more reports, articles and tasting notes by me, go to my website, timatkin.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Tim Atkin and on Instagram at Tim Atkin MW. See you next week.